Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Tall, like I'm on my tiptoes, baby. You think a little too small. I got big goals, baby. Hey, where the money? Yeah, look, I just need- What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Blazers Edge Podcast. I am your host, Danny Morang. Uh, we had the live show the other day with Steve DeWald. Uh, if you haven't checked that out already, go ahead and go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Danny Morang. Uh, and you can check that out. Uh, we'll touch on some of the stuff we did in the live show, but I'm going to go a little bit more specific, particularly as it pertains to Damian Lillard, kind of a nuclear option. Yeah, it's a real... Uh, just an uplifting podcast I've got coming here. <laughs> no, it, there's, there's some good, some bad, some in between. That's kind of the state of the affairs right now is that like it's it's difficult to find a lot of cool, fun things to talk about. Like there's there's free agency and it's like, well, yeah, but we don't know who's going to be where. We don't know who they're going to need. If they move CJ McCollum, that fundamentally changes around things. If they don't move C.J. McCollum and they have to deal with Norman Powell and losing him and Zach Collins and his injury and what that means for their RFA status and how they can manage the cap. And it's like, it's just a lot of bummers. But we're going to go through them uh, today specifically. Got a couple specific questions uh, in the mailbag pertaining to Damian Lillard. Uh, hitting that reset button, what that looks like. Um, and I guess we'll just kind of dive into it in that regard. As always, if you... You're listening on uh, podcast feeds, iTunes, like, rate, review, subscribe. Please leave a review. Spread the word. Grow it. Uh, and uh, I'd be very appreciative. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe. I'm trying to grow the channel uh, so I can spend a little bit more time into it. Uh, as always, I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. You guys have been awesome as I've done more digitally over the last couple weeks, last couple months now. Um, as I shift into doing more of this, as I've got more kind of coming down the pipeline. So. Uh, without further ado, let's get into it. I want to get into the ever-arching question here from uh, uh, ML at the Michael Lee eighty-eight. Please tell me Damian Lillard will be a Blazer forever. Even before the last two months, I never thought that was gonna be a thing. Um, I always expected Damian Lillard to go the route of uh, a Dwayne Wade. Um, I. I there was always just something about it. I, I just it was hard for me to see him being Dirk, like just being that dude who is just there, no matter what, through thick and thin. Doesn't go taste, you know, greener pasture somewhere else uh, late in their career, which is fine. I I have no issues with that. If Damian Lillard spent hell, if he if he left next year, it's fine. Like it's not fine in the proverbial sense of oh my god, but like what he does is what he does. He's going into his tenth year in Portland. If he gets the fifteen years in Portland. And he wants to go see what it's like to play in Utah or to play in Oakland. I, I, I'm not going to endorse LA. I'm just not. <laughs> let's let's be honest. I, I can't bring myself to do that. Uh, getting them anything of anywhere close to Damian Lillard and the Lakers fans having the satisfaction of that would uh, would be depressing to say the least <laughs> in that regard. Um, but I I never thought he'd be a one forever. I thought he'd go play a year here or there at the tail end of his career just to go check it out. But, whew, um, well, we're we're at the point of uh, less about forever and more about next year. 
And I think that's the big question now. Um, what happens over the next 60 days, I think, is incredibly pertinent to Damian Lillard's tenure or remaining tenure in, in Portland. If they don't make moves of consequence, I, I genuinely believe he will be gone this time next year. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Um, just from talking to folks around the league, I think that Dame in particular wants to stay in Portland and finish the prime of his career here. I think there are people around him who will have the ammunition to tell him that after this next season, if the Blazers don't make a move, that they have a decade of futility in the sense of making real change. They reshuffled the deck after LaMarcus left, and they have not done anything of consequence. Norman Powell's a nice player. Good addition. Yusuf Nurkic is a nice player. Good addition. Doesn't It doesn't matter grand scheme. Those are all tertiary moves. There's levels to it, but you look at the top 10 players in the NBA and every single one of them has had a guy alongside them. Damian Lillard has not had that guy. And so as you slice through it, the the way this has gone for him, he has been different than everybody else. Giannis is Chris Middleton and they mortgaged the farm for Drew Holiday. And they've got good supporting players up and down the lineup. They're in the NBA Finals. The Suns' ownership stepped out of their way finally and let things happen. Uh, Aiton hit. Bridges hit. They, they signed some good free agents. And then they got Chris Paul. They've got real help. You can look at every single one of these teams and go, they have made moves where risk was involved. Uh, I'm not a huge Colin Cowherd guy. Um national talking heads are it's entertainment but he did say something the other day i thought stood out to me a ton this league is no longer a five-year league it's a one-year league i'm a little less apt to believe the one-year league but two or three year yeah i i think we're getting to that point i think it mimics the nfl a bit while you see rookie quarterbacks who should be sitting playing a ton um rookies in either sport really shouldn't be playing um heavy minutes more often than not that's just it's not conducive to immediate winning unless you're in the NBA man it's a little bit different because there are some guys who can make immediate impacts and that's a bad analogy but I think on the whole that's typically the case especially if you're talking about impacting winning I think individual numbers are different but um, all of this I say to get back to Damian Lillard and putting the right pieces in place around him and I want to get into the darkest timeline here um, so to answer Michael Lee's question, I, I don't think Damian Lillard was or was ever going to be a, a Blazer forever in the sense of never playing anywhere else. He will be associated and, and everybody will talk about him as a trailblazer unless he gets traded to Philly and they win a title next year, you know, <laughs> then uh, they might, they might talk about Damian Lillard, the, the 76 er which is gross, but they'll be remembered as a trailblazer. It's okay. Calm down, calm down. Well, maybe not calm down. Cause this is about to get a little more sideways. <laughs> This from Rob Willie at the Real R Dub. I think the debate needs to be had. How much worse off are the Blazers if Dame gets traded for a boatload of assets and value? Is CJ that much of a downgrade, especially when paired with Simmons? Aren't we still a six to eight seed? The unequivocal answer here is no. They're probably not even a playoff team. Dame is that dude. He is. 40-plus wins on his own, basically. There's five, six guys in the league who can say that about. His offense is so good that it 
covers up for sins, especially in, in today's NBA where the offense matters so, 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 so much. Um, CJ and Simmons is fun, but that's not – there's nothing elite about that team. The difference between Dame and CJ is a lot bigger than I think a lot of fans are willing to admit or accept. CJ's a nice player. Damian Lillard's a generational player. The gap is, is like, well, he only scores a few more points, and it's like the level that he does that at, Damian Lillard, is so over the top compared to what anybody... You're talking about literally the best guys to ever play the game at that position. That's, that's what you're talking about. And so... The, the difference between the two, especially when all of a sudden all of that pressure, the, what Dame has done with the pressure on him and the coverages he faced over the last couple of years is insane. Let's just call it what it is. It's, it is it's patently insane that he has been this good, this efficient, this durable with what he sees during a regular, I'd say a regular 82-game season. We haven't had one of those in two years, but normally a regular 82-game season. Um, you're, you're, you're probably scoring scratching for a play-in spot with a C.J. Simmons lineup. It just, it's okay. It's good. But in the West, you, you need that, mm, you need that, mwah, and that's what Damian Lillard is. So, um, but I think the the big question here is, like, would the Blazers go nuclear? This season, no. Unless Damian Lillard went full Anthony Davis or James Harden was like, nah, I'm out. I'm done. Pack it up. Even then, with the four years on his contract, the Blazers have a ton of leverage in that regard. Um, they aren't going to send him to basketball Siberia. Like They're not going to send him to Charlotte or OKC or Orlando. So those are out of the window. But, I mean, other places, sure. I, I can see that. Um, but the, the whole idea of the debate needing to have, I don't think you need to have it until next year. That's when the real reset is going to be looked at. That's when the the evaluation needs to be had. Because I, I think he's good for another year. And I think you have that opportunity. But it's going to go from good to, I need to go real quick. And I think that's how these always end up going. Um, so, like I said, I think the next six to eight weeks, this offseason, is pretty much make or break for Damian Lillard's time in, in Portland. Um, it's there's a lot of things at play, but this next question from at Bagels. Ashley, is our team's executive dysfunction a red flag for would-be players? There are many truly bleepity-bleeped companies, so perhaps Blazers front office is comparable to other teams, or are we bad-bad? Okay, so I reached out to a couple media, a couple, a lot of NBA media uh, and some front office folks over the last couple weeks to try to get out of the Portland bubble of the reactions to uh, Olshay's press conferences, both firing Terry Stotts and then announcing Chauncey Billups. And to a person, not a single one had a positive thing to say. Basically, it was a bungled disaster piece. Multi-billion dollar companies do not make PR snafus and public appearances look as bad as the Trailblazers just did. Um, there are people that are saying it's supposed to be about basketball. Not in that setting, it wasn't supposed to be. You, you, there, 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 there are opinions and there's thoughts and there's you're wrong. I will tell you flat out, you were wrong. There are ways that you go about PR that matter. They fundamentally blew that. They were a disaster. This was sons of the last 20 years unable to get out of their own way. Sacramento Kangs with a Z. This was stupidity at its finest. 
it was an abject disaster. It was handled horribly on every level, and that's entirely on Neil Olshay. Chauncey was Chauncey. I, I, I'm not going to litigate this stuff as far as Chauncey is concerned. That's not my job. That's not why I, I wasn't there. I don't know. Doesn't look great. I'll tell you that. But that part of it is is what it is at this point. And there's nothing that I can say or do in that regard. I think to shape a lot of opinions or minds, and that's not what I'm looking for. On the basketball side of things, on the PR side of things, Neil O'Shea failed miserably. Chauncey, by proxy, looked bad. When in reality, I thought he did okay. Um, and that is... Players pay attention to this stuff. Agents pay attention to this stuff. People in the league pay attention to this stuff. People, players, don't want to go to crap-run organizations. Agents do not want to funnel players to horribly, crappily-run organizations. That is why it is difficult for... Uh, teams in the past who who have, who have been poor, not just because of their market, but because how poor... Look, the Knicks. The Knicks exist for a reason. Like, it wasn't until Leon Rose got put in place and all of a sudden some semblance of competency that the Knicks were able to get a few guys to come. It takes a while. And as good as Dame is, and as fantastic as a leader as he is, who wants to go work for a boss who just did what they did? Because now you're, un- you just saw it play out. You saw Dame unnecessarily take shots publicly because the Blazers and Neal's organization failed to shield him. They let him take the arrows for something he shouldn't have for three, four days. Your guy that you're trying to make happy, who got so visibly pissed off that he went to his guy in the media and was like, no, nah, man, I'm out of here. Yeah, it was bad, bad. So, for anybody out there who's wondering this, that, or the other, it was awful. Awful. Period. Point blank. So, um, it is a red flag. Now, they don't have the long history of just rampant stupidity uh, that some other organizations have had. But, if you're talking about how things look when you're trying to shape a team around Damian Lillard ahead of the Olympics, ahead of free agency, ahead of the draft, you couldn't have done worse. I mean, you could you, you 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 could have just gone off the deep end, I guess. Like you, but the the viral clip of Neil in the water bottle is is about as bad as it gets. It's it's just a really poor look. So, um, let's let's kind of go off the side here, it, tangentially at least, to Billups, and um, this is from blazing like blazing like a trail at Jericho Blaze zero six. If you were Billups, what would your coaching staff look like to surround the team to complement the current roster? Granted, there are no major moves this offseason. That last caveat is a pure hellscape, but we'll leave that alone. Um, but as far as the coaching staff is concerned, you're going to look for uh, the experienced head coach types. I think you're going to see very much Steve Nash ask of like, oh hey, look, here's a bunch of dudes who have been head coaches. I think that's going to be uh, a staple of the staff, but also former players. Uh, the one thing that came out of that press conference, particularly from Chauncey, that everybody seemed to drive home is relatability, 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 relatability. So if you take a look at the um, what final what four teams in the playoffs, you had Nate McMillan, African-American, former player. Monty Williams, African-American, former player. Bud's the kind of like, hey, Bud. But you look at, you know, Philly when they were on their way up. You had um, Doc, former player, African American. Like, it's 
just the people are starting to draw that line. Relatability matters. Shocking, I know. A bunch of young 20-something African-American millionaires want to be coached by, wait for it, relatable African-American former player millionaires. They understand each one of those things. So I've heard Rasheed Wallace, which, you want to talk about relatability? There you go. <laughs> Not only does Chauncey have that line to Rasheed Wallace, Rasheed Wallace has that line to Portland. Not all great, let's be honest, um, as far as how he was perceived and treated here at times. Yeah. Um, but I've heard that name. Uh, but I've also heard uh, the likes of Dave Yeager and Kenny Atkinson. Uh, looks like Atkinson might get picked up as a head coach, so that'll be interesting to see how that that goes. I think he's a hell of a coach. Uh, I think he'll be a great guy to have on the bench. Uh, Yeager, I've heard, is a bit, bit of a bleepity bleep, but um, maybe Portland needs a little bit of that. And then as former, former player types, you're seeing Ime Yudoka, Darvin Ham, Sam Cassell, if any of those guys are out there, uh, Jaron Collins, uh, Jamal Mosley, like if if you're seeing those kind of ty- those kind of names out there, if one of them doesn't get picked up for head coach, perhaps Chauncey reaches out and says, "Hey, do you want to come here?" Uh, and I think that's kind of what we're looking at. The fact that it is tightened up so quickly leads me to believe that those things aren't set in stone. They're still trying to sift through that stuff, and they're probably taking their time and being smarter about this because, well, they weren't before. <laughs> so. Um, I think that's that's kind of the bigger grand scheme issue. Uh, not only an issue, just well, what to kind of expect. Uh, this from Don Augustin at Blazer Fandon. Uh, how is this going to work out if no other changes are made to the roster? CJ is going to be the same blank team as the last few years. They can't get it done, so the roster does not change. Why change the coach? And do we really think that Bellops will be the difference? They got stagnant under Terry in the last two years. I well, lost 18 months. Uh, they were still really good offensively. There's no buy-in defensively. I know I get why they made the change. Uh, my my prevailing thought with Terry was always, if he has the locker room, he has the locker room. Because, I mean, go ahead and point to Indiana. Let me go ahead and point to Atlanta. If you lose the locker room, you're done. Like, it's, it, it's evident. And the Blazers were still finding ways to win games. Firing a coach midseason is something, especially when it's beloved by your star player, you have to be careful of. And everybody who wants to fire coaches this, that, and the other, and they think it's just so easy. It's just, no, it's not. The personal relationships that go along with that um, matter. Um, and I hear the, well, it's their job. to Okay, cool. I, I, you're, you're to the point where you don't want to be convinced or you don't understand, and that's fine. That's whatever. But I'm trying to relay how the inner workings of this stuff has been relayed to me over the years. Um, I think he will make a difference. I just don't think it'll be a grand difference, especially if it's the same roster. If they're bringing out, and here's the thing, it's not going to be the same roster because they can't bring back Norm if they don't trade CJ. So now you're talking about losing Norm and you don't have Gary and you don't have Zach. Now you're looking at Derek Jones Jr. back in the starting lineup and you're back to where you were at the beginning of the last season with less depth and less options to fill that depth. So the reality is, is CJ has to be traded. He just does. And I think that's part of the problem when you're looking at where things are right now. But I think Chauncey can make a difference. Will he? I don't know. I don't know if he will make a difference. But I think there's an opportunity for some buy-in because as a player, he was a leader. Uh, As a coach, I think he has the opportunity to be as a leader. Talking to folks in Los Angeles about Chauncey because there was only limited availability to the Clippers. Um. There was a few anecdotes here or there. 
um, on background of as far as how he worked with guys, uh, how he got Paul George to be a little bit better with his playmaking ability, how to see the floor a little bit better. If you want, you can read Ramona Shelburne. It's kind of a fluff piece on it, but you can take a little thing here or there out of it. But I, th- I think that's a good place to start um, as far as what Chauncey could or couldn't do, uh, and then kind of going from there. Um, I'm going to transition from the the Billup stuff um, to a, a player not named Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum. So this is from Joel, Mr. Yolius. Are we getting value out of Nurk? It depends on what you describe as value. I think Nurk is a hell of a player. I think availability is an issue, and I think moodiness can be a bit of an issue. Um, If you read between the lines, after a couple years in Denver, things weren't great, and he was a little salty. After a couple years in Portland, things aren't great, and he's a little salty. So I think he's one of those guys, and this isn't inherently a bad thing. I think some people just need their ego stroked and need to be told. Hell, I'm one of them, where they need to be told that they're good, and they're wanted, and they're desired, and da 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 just how people are wired. That's just how it goes. That's fine. Um, but as far as value goes, like you look at Yusuf Nurkic just like per 36 minute numbers. And this is where the enticing part of Yusuf Nurkic is. It's basically like 18, 12, and 4. It's like, good God. It's it's incredible. He's, but, and here's here's the giant caveat, the whoa, but uh, over the last four years, Yusuf Nurkic has been available for 63% of games. Over the last three years, 51% of games. If you look at how it breaks down with his 51% over the last three years, he is getting paid $308,000 per game on a $12 million a year contract. So let's go ahead and carry this out a little bit further. CJ McCollum has been available for 82% of games in that time period. And he has made, uh, what is it, 80 $82.5 million in that time span. So Nurk's at $36 million. CJ's at more than double that at $82.5. But the difference between the two as far as per game is 441000 to 308000 So 20, 20% increase. And then you, const- or you compare that with Damian Lillard, who's at $533,000. Uh, he's been available for 93% of games in that time period in the last three years. So Dame, you know, a little more than a half million. CJ, four fifty. Let's round it up. Nurk, three ten. You're at this rate. You're saying CJ McCollum with his availability is worth eighty three percent of Damian Lillard per game based on availability. And if you go down, Yusuf Nurkic is what fifty two percent. That's that's hard to square, but on the whole, his value is great when you're looking at it. Per annum, average out, average salary, twelve million a year. Here's the thing: if the Blazers re-signed Nurk, if they extended him at the hundred twenty percent raise, at was at fourteen point two or whatever um, was what his deal would be. I, that's a good deal. It's a really good deal for being honest. Um, you're you're risking his health. That's for sure. That's that's the risk. But as far as like what he can give you production wise, pretty damn good. Now, the per 36 numbers, you always have to round down because Nurk doesn't play 36, so it's instead of 18 and 12, it's more like 14 and 10. But 14, 10, and 4 is still pretty damn good, uh, especially when you're talking about a big body. But availability is a big deal. But as far as value goes, 
it, it's in the eye of the beholder. Uh, I, I think that with this team as constructed, yes, when he's on the floor, he's incredibly valuable, both on a value scale per dollar and for what he does for this team. He's the most natural passer that they have. Um, defensively, he covers up for more mistakes than anybody out there. Um, but the the trade-off is the availability and what it has been for the last couple of years. Uh, Joel followed up with, what are the chances that Alan Sachs Neal feels like he has carte blanche? The last part of that it, it statement is true. He does and has been operating with carte blanche basically since Jody Allen took over the team. Um, that's, I think, the scary part, and that's where you're seeing mistake after mistake and there hasn't been anything checked. I've heard rumblings that folks weren't happy, but I, I think if you got through both those press conferences without him getting fired, that's pretty much shows you and tells you all you need to know. He's he's not he's not getting fired unless something else wildly drastic happens. So um, now Damian Lord asking out that's a wildly drastic opportunity to have somebody thrown overboard. That's there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, so. Uh, I, I don't see an executive change just yet. But I've also heard that, that Terry and Neil were supposed to be tied at the hip too, and, well, ter- Terry went before Neil. So take it for what it's worth. Uh, this is from Stevie's mom, at Stevie's mom. Although limited attempt could Nurks improving in three-point percentage work with the Ben Simmons pick-and-roll with Damon to open up the paint. So I was looking at this earlier. Nurks a career 20% three-point shooter. <laughs> so it's a very limited sample size. I think it's something that you could tinker with, but if you made the move for Simmons, I think Clutch would want Nurk out of there um, because you're not optimizing him in that situation in a contract year. I can see a world where Nurk turns into like a 33 34% three-point shooter. I don't ever see him being like Jokic-esque, anything in like that regard, but I could see him working as a as a release valve in a pick and roll where he's uh, on the backside. I, I can see it. I just don't think it's option one, two, or three. But I could be wrong. But I think there's at least a, a framework to, to work with there. I just don't think that's like your primary um, desire of which way you want to go in that regard. So it's uh, – <laughs> it would be kind of ironic if uh, everybody's frustration, including my own, with Nurk's inability to finish inside was because he, he was supposed to be a three-point shooter all along. <laughs> You know, it's the, it's the friends you made along the way. So I don't know. It's it's interesting and worth looking at, um, but and I think that's kind of what it is. What it is at this point. All right, we're gonna end on kind of a fun note here. This is also from uh, at Baggles at Baggles uh, Ashley. We need to be making moves this offseason. What are your thoughts on a live team mascot? And she has a little inspiration. Uh, it's uh, photos of a naval ship. Uh, the cats that were on the naval ships in the dockyards um, on the HMS Hermione in 1941, and they made little tiny cat hammocks. Um, being that I'm a, a prior airman, I do not endorse anything the Navy says or does. Um, it's not surprising the Navy went with cats and not dogs because cats are inferior to dogs. <laughs> but listen, if they wanted to do a live Blaze the Trail cat, uh, I think there are a few people that would, would love that, and I'm sure PETA would come out and be wildly angry about something. It, that's what they do. Um, but Blaze is kind of a weird mascot, if we're being honest. Like, what is a trail cat? I know trail mixes, but not a trail cat. But listen, man, I just I, I'm 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 for good vibes at this point. 
Like, let's make something fun happen. Like, it's, I, I don't know. It's it's very very weird, um, as far as the Blazers mascot. But uh, listen, if the Blazers wanted to change a mascot and they wanted to say look over here for a little while, I'd be cool with it, because um, it's really not fun to talk about Damian Lillard um, leaving the team or Damian Lillard trades. I'd much rather talk about CJ McCollum trades and what that means for the team going forward with Damian Lillard. Um, I guess we'll kind of end it here uh, on the more bad news, <laughs> Zach Collins stuff, right? I. I'm not sure where he's at right now, but I it's hard for me to see him sticking around the league at this point, which is really messed up. Um, if he gets anything more than a vet minimum, he should take it. If he gets anything at all, he should probably take it. Uh, a third re-injury of the ankle. This is why, for everybody who kept asking over and over again uh, over the last couple months, you know, should Zach play? I think he should get games. Da, 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 da. No, he needed to get himself right before he put himself in a bad position. Um, and unfortunately, he got put in a bad position because he's seven foot tall. And most seven footers have foot, ankle, knee injuries. I just pray that he gets it right, that he gets it sorted, that he's good. Um, it's just, it's a bummer, flat out. Um, for him, for his fans, for his family, everybody, right? Um, the Blazers as an organization are screwed. They, This is such a huge deal for them because it essentially makes the one lottery opportunity they have had in the last 10 years outside of Dame C.J. Myers, right? That's the group. Um, to get a player of consequence. And you take a look at every freaking team... <laughs> That is up in the in the uh, the playoffs right now. Um, they have taken those guys with them or used assets from players taken in the draft to move out uh, and bring guys in, like the Bucks with Drew, uh, the Suns bottoming out, uh, taking on Mikael Bridges, drafting DeAndre Ayton, obviously Booker, um, and had an opportunity in 2017. And yes, Donovan Mitchell, and yes, Bam Adebayo, and yes, John Collins, and yes, OG ended up like. I'm not going to relitigate that stuff. But what I am going to relitigate is Neil Olshay's epic failure. Epic failure in that regard. Um, and that might be the the death nail in the Damian Lillard Blazers because they failed that draft so miserably. Um, 2016 was bad. 2017, I think, was more impactful because they had so much more control in that regard. Um, so that sucks, but... <sighs> I wish I had better news. It's a lot more fun to talk about fun stuff. It's a lot more fun to talk about cool stuff. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, I'll be doing live shows uh, on breaking news nights uh, is is what will happen. I'll, I'll come up and, and try and get the show up and running as quick as I can uh, if there is a trade. Otherwise, the plan is to do Thursday nights. Thursday night, 7 p.m., uh, maybe 6 p.m. I'll have that ironed out over the next day or two, um, see what kind of looks and works better for everybody. And then we'll we'll have the live shows. We'll have the, the mailbag Mondays. Uh, this one's a little bit late just because it's going to be the 4th of July weekend. Uh, and then I'll have the breakdown videos in between as I start lining up guests. I've got a few guys that uh, from the team, I'm sure you can probably guess, uh, who will make appearances throughout the summer. 
and then I've got a few other folks locally that I'm going to have come on. Uh, and then, well, again, I'll have some more changes for the podcast coming in the next couple of weeks uh, and some more announcements. So, again, thank you to everybody. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Be a part of the community. Be a part of the questions, the mailbags, uh, the debates, the back and forth. Check out the live shows. Those are honestly the most fun thing for me to do has had that interaction to go back and forth live um, because as much as the, the, these are cool, like answering the questions in this format, it's a lot more fun to kind of have that back and forth. That's, that's what this is about is the, the, the community, the, the, the back and forth, the understanding, the, the hot takes, the everything else that kind of goes with it. It's fun. I genuinely love it. That's, that's the stuff that I live for. So um, keep an eye out for those. If you haven't already subscribe to the YouTube, YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com backslash Danny Morang. Um, and uh, until then, I guess we'll see you later. Take care, guys. Bye.